Good morning. I'd like to welcome you to the adult class of the Abundant Life Baptist Church, our Sunday school. We are still studying Dr. Clarence Sexton's course on the, the miracles of Jesus. We're in volume two. Uh, we are in chapter five of that volume. And uh, as I've said before, Dr. Sexton likes to title his chapter sometimes to get you to think. Now, someone who didn't know much about the Bible would uh, this title money in the mouth of the fish wouldn't really know what anybody was talking about but we know we've we've heard we've heard this before um pastor would you open us up in a word of prayer please Amen. Amen. Dr. Sexton begins, he says, Our Lord works in very deliberate ways to prepare individuals to serve him. What is happening in your life to prove that God is able? Well, the life of every Christian, we, we, we should always understand God is able, and he's not going to force himself on us, but he is able to use us if we... Now, he can use evil men uh, to accomplish his goals. He used them when uh, his son was put on the cross. But the Christian, we should be eager to serve. We should be eager to help and eager to gain souls. Once we see what Christ has done for us and the hell that he has enabled us to avoid, we should be wanting that for everyone. We should be wanting that for everyone. As we look at the miracle, we see in context that the Lord has been working in the life of Peter. Peter needed a lot of work, you know that? Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, we read of Peter's great confession. The Bible says in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18, Matthew 16, verses 13 through 18, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come unmolested into your house and, and to study from your word. We know there are many places in the world where it's not possible for those to do that, or when they do, they do so in peril of their lives. We thank you for our country that has, has a lot of problems, but Lord, this is still the greatest country on earth. We just pray that, Father, you'd be with us. And as we study from your word and open it, we pray you open our hearts to receive it gladly and live it in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Dr. Sexton says, in the seventh chapter of the gospel, according to Matthew, we read about the marvelous transfiguration of Jesus Christ. He went up into that high mountain and was transfigured in the presence of his three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah came to stand alongside the transfigured Christ. Peter was in the midst of all this. He was on a spiritual high. They came down from the mountain and traveled to Capernaum. This leads us to the miracle found in Matthew 17, chapters 24, or verses 24 and 27. God's word says, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He said, Yes. And when he was coming into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. And Jesus saith unto, unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast an hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. Peter was going fishing, but not for fish. He said, In the hundreds of thousands of fish that were swimming in the Sea of Galilee, Peter threw in a hook, and one took the hook. He pulled it up, reached into its mouth, and found the money that they needed. You know, folks, that's impossible. That can't happen. But Matthew 19, 26 says, With God, all things are possible. You know, Peter was probably astounded. He, he, he obeyed, and that's the good thing. Sometimes, you know, when he was telling that, I can see Peter's face like, uh-oh, all right, you said it, I'll do it. And there was the money. In all those millions of fish, there was the money. But, you know, that wasn't the first time that God had prepared a sea creature to do his bidding and manifest his glory. Ask Jonah. He'll tell you about that. So that was, that was, God did that before. But there was that piece of money. And it was exactly what they needed. No change. It was exactly what they needed. So I would say that Peter's faith was strengthened somewhat there. When he reached into the mouth and found the money they needed. Now, he says, notice the expression the Bible gives us in verse 27. When the house opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. There was a payment due. Now, let's go back just a little. When he was telling Peter about, when he asked the question, do the rulers of the earth, do they require tribute from their own children? Well, no, they don't. Well, he was telling him, listen, this tribute money is to do the work of God. I'm God. So God is going to pay God for God's work. That's not the way it works. But he's telling him, we, I do not owe the tribute money. But lest we offend these fellas, we're going to go ahead 
You know, because Peter did owe the tribute money. But he said, you go and told him to cast that hook and take up the first fish. So he was telling Peter, the children are free. The, the, the family is free. I'm God in the flesh, so I do not pay tribute to myself. But he obeyed that law. You know, when he came, he humbled himself and he obeyed laws that were not really for him, but he obeyed them. He gave us an example. Yes. He, he, there's nothing that he can't use for his glory. It all belongs to him. He created it all. The money, I don't know if the fish swallowed the money or he created that fish and put that money in the, in the mouth of the fish or the, or the fish grabbed it sometime, but it was in its mouth. You know, when a fish grabs something, it's, oh, it wasn't in its stomach, it was in its mouth. So, but he was showing, Peter said, yeah, I don't know the tribute, but, but we're going to get the tribute money, and here's how we're going to do it. You know, they could have come and said, go get Judas. He's got the bag, and we'll, we'll, but that's not what he did. That's not what he did. Because he was showing Peter and bolstering Peter and bringing Peter along. Now, the Bible says in verse 24, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Does not your master pay tribute? Dr. Sexton says, There's nothing here by coincidence. Everything is by, on purpose. These were not publicans collecting for the government. They were collecting for the temple tax, the, the tribute for the temple, uh, which they, they, they used that for showbread and they used it for uh, uh, the meat offering, continual meat offering. They used that for that. So they had money to buy the things they needed uh, for, for to glorify God. Well, we do the same thing here. We give an offering. It's not a, not a tax we give as we've been prospered, but we much the same give to the work of the Lord. And we always need to remember it's all his anyway. It was no accident that, that they came to Peter. And you know, of course, Peter, first thing out of him, yeah, he does. Yeah, 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 he does. He, 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 he always likes to speak for everybody. Uh, I've told you before, this gets a little old after a while, but someone said uh, the only time he opened his mouth was to change feet. And that's about the truth. He, uh, he was always letting his mouth get him in trouble. But you know, sometimes the Lord basically put him in charge uh, of the other disciples. He was the spokesman for them. And so, see, Jesus saw something in him that Peter didn't see in himself. Because remember, he told the Lord later, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. But, praise God, he didn't depart from him. He was able to use him. 
It's no accident they came to Peter and working with his disciples, the Lord Jesus chose one man to be the leader of the group. In Luke twenty two thirty one, 31, the Lord said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. The word sift means to move up and down. We, you know, when we use a sifter, it, that's what it does. It breaks up the, the, uh, the flour and whatever you're using. And, and the devil said, I just want to tear him apart, break him down to... So Christ told Peter, you're going to deny me. You will deny me three times before the cock crows. The Lord Jesus told Peter of a low hour in his life. But at the same breath, he said, But when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Remember our, our course we did in First and Second Peter was strengthen thy brethren. And so Peter did just that. He spent his life strengthening the brethren. It was Peter who answered the Lord in Matthew 16, and the Lord answered back, in verse 18, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What did Peter tell him? You're the son of the living God. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, that's the rock. Jesus is the rock the church is built on, not Peter. Peter would, uh, the Lord chose wisely when he decided that he would be the rock. And he said, the gates of hell would not prevail against it. That's, you know, that gives us great comfort because we see in this life right now, it just looks like, well, the only one in control is the devil. He's not. He's not in control. He's being allowed to do what he does. But God is in control. God is in control. And God is going to use Satan to God's greater glory. It's going to be a very, very terrible time come upon this earth. But God is using the devil. The devil's not using God. Peter was one of those disciples that was chosen to go and see the miracle performed on the day of Jairus. While the others stood outside, Peter, James, and John were the three that went up into the high mountain when the Lord Jesus was transfigured. Peter saw Christ and his likeness, his transfigured likeness. That's what we're going to see when he comes back. We're not going to see the lamb. We're going to see the lion. You know, people say it's, it's strange when you see uh, a, a egg become a caterpillar, a caterpillar become a butterfly transform but no one's ever seen a lamb turn into a lion but they're going to they're going to Peter saw Christ in his glorious likeness that he's going to come in clothed in the glory of God Peter heard God say this is my beloved son hear ye him you know Peter had a Peter had a an opinion there too Lord let's make three tabernacles let's make one for you and one for Eliza one for Moses what God say? You don't need, this is my son. You, you listen to him. You listen to him. Peter heard the voice, and yet still he denied Jesus. 
So, you know, we, sometimes we think we're weak-willed and sometimes we, you know, we can look at that example. Peter went on to be a great, a great apostle speaking the word of God. And yet, he was still human. He was full of the Holy Ghost uh, after Pentecost. He was, he, he was still human. Um, even after he was full of the Holy Ghost, he withdrew himself from Gentile Christians, wouldn't eat with them because he was a little bit afraid of what the others would say. So when we fall, when we slip, God has in his word this you're human. This is this will happen. But he used another apostle, Paul, to to say, Peter, you're wrong. He said, "It withstood him to the face." Uh, and I would say to that, if Peter was the first pope, when's the first time you ever saw a bishop upbraid the pope? Don't happen, folks. Peter was a man. He was yes. He, he was chosen to lead those disciples at a time. But he, he wasn't a pope. He was an apostle. Every adult Jew was to give tribute money for the support of the work of the Lord, in particular for the work of the tabernacle and for keeping the tabernacle as it should be. This was in um, the Old Testament. Um, Let's see, in Exodus 30, uh, verse 11 through 16, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. Notice the expression, Dr. Sexton says, Every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. This money represented something. It was a picture of something. The Bible says, When thou numberest them, that there be no plague amongst them. When thou numberest them, they shall give every one that passeth among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 geras. Uh, that's great because I don't know any of that money. And half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Every one that passed among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. You see, the Lord made a, a great distinction about numbering the children of Israel. When he said to number them, you numbered them. And when he said, don't number them, you didn't number them. King David found that out the hard way. You know, we think, well, why in the world would it be Wrong just to know how many people you got. When a king starts numbering his people, he starts numbering his soldiers and numbering his horses and numbering his chariots. Who is he depending on? He's not depending on the Lord. He's depending on the strength of his own might. The Lord says, I'll fight the battle. You just obey. And if we could get that through our heads, the battles would be a lot easier for us. But we we still want to uh, we still want to. Uh, I think there's an old, a song that said, uh, "Sometimes when I'm weary, Satan wars with my soul," um, and it, it says, uh, "To get my mind off the cross." 
that I start fighting battles Christ has already won in a war Satan's already lost. And if we don't watch out, that's, that's what happens. We start fighting battles that God says, I've already, I've already won this. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to listen to him. So, yes, when we're tired, he'll come knocking. Sometimes after we've had a great victory, he'll come knocking. He said, now, boy, you did a great job there. That was, you really came through. He's not complimenting you. He's trying to get you off the one who got you through it and say, well, in, in your own strength and in your own might. We don't do anything in our own strength. There's nothing that God doesn't ordain. When we get through a trial, it's because God has helped us through it. The Bible says, 20 years old and above, God considered that the people were fully accountable for this tribute money at age 20. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Note the expression, atonement for your souls. You know, you think, well, why shouldn't the rich, if they can afford it, give more? The rich didn't give any more. The poor didn't give any, any less. Their souls are equal in the eyes of God. A rich man's soul and a poor man's soul are the same in the eyes of God. The only difference is if that soul is saved. So, and God is the one who makes the rules. We need to always remember that. It says, note the expression, atonement for your souls. God's word continues, and thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Dr. Sexton goes on, he says, every adult Jew was to give tribute money for the support of the work of the Lord, in particular for the work of the tabernacle and for keeping the tabernacle as it should be. And this is, we're talking about the Old Testament now. Said it was a substitute offering in this sense. It was given instead of going and doing work there. It was a representative offering. The atonement for your souls refers to the work of God done in the work of the tabernacle. Dr. Sexton says, let us look again in the book of Nehemiah. Chapter 10, um, 10 30, uh, 32 through 33. He says, Remember that in the book of Exodus, they had the tabernacle and the offering was given for the work of the tabernacle. In the book of Nehemiah, they had gone from the tabernacle to the temple. Those returning from the exile were to give an offering for the work to be done in the temple. Nehemiah 10 verses 32 and 33 says, Also we made ordinances for us to charge ourselves yearly with the third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the shoe bread, for the continual meat offering, and for the continual burnt offering of the Sabbaths, of the new moons, for the set feasts, and for the holy things, and for the sin offerings to make an atonement for Israel, and for all the work of the house of our God. See, Nehemiah says, also we made ordinances for us. What were they doing? They were using the example that God had given. This is what you do. Put money in, you'll have money 
to do this work. So there was a payment due from all of the Jews, 20 years old and older. It says this was not a civil payment. We understand Rome had nothing to do with this. This was to, to uh, upkeep of the temple. This was a religious tribute given to the work of God, an offering given to God for God's temple. Dr. Sexton says, before coming back to our story, let us look at the book of Malachi, chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. The Lord will come to his temple. When Jesus entered the temple, it was his temple. If we're going to understand the lesson of the miracle, we need to understand whose temple this was for which they were taking the money. It was the Lord's temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. In Matthew chapter 7, we find payment was due. They asked if he was going to pay payment. Of course, he didn't say, Peter didn't know. Peter just said yes. He figured, well, that's the right thing to do. Well, sometimes we think it might be the right thing to do. We do ask God first. Lord, is this your will? You know, Joshua found that out the hard way. He didn't go to the Lord. And people fooled him. And he made a covenant with them. But God told him not to make any covenants. But it, Joshua says, well, there they are. They've got all this old wine skins and these old worn out shoes. They've been, they've been going a long way. They were, they, they pulled wool over his eyes. He didn't ask the Lord first, Lord, what shall we do with this? Shall we make a covenant with them? And the Lord didn't say, oh, oh, oh Joshua, don't do that. Don't do that. They're fooling you. He let them enter into the covenant. We should always ask the Lord first when we're anything we think. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, we think, well, I'll just ask him about the important, the really, really important things. Now, I think I told you before, a lady asked a pastor one time that, and he said, she said, well, should we just pray about the really, really important things? And he said, well, ma'am, what would you have to bring before God that he would think was really, really important? He can do anything. So what we think is important, God may grant, he may not. He knows what's best for us. So we need, to, we need to take that in consideration and ask God for everything. He, he wants us to do that. That gives him glory when we acknowledge him and we ask him for guidance. Now, payment was... was do and payment was promised. Peter had promised and said yes. He's, he spoke for the Lord. So the Bible says in Matthew 17 verse 25, he saith yes 
Peter answered for the Lord, yes, payment was promised. Evidently, Peter began to think about what he'd promised. He thought to himself, hmm, I should have asked the Lord about this. Yes, he should have. Sure should have. He said, did you ever speak that way? Peter remembered that Christ was in a house, and now he had gone, now he had to go to the house to explain to him what he had gotten the whole crowd into because he'd already said, yes, the Lord's going to do this. God was going to give money to God. Now, that's not normally how it works. It's all God's to start with. But you know, there's another miracle here. Well, yeah, Jesus, his total life was a miracle. It was, Jesus was in the house. He didn't know physically. He didn't have to hear. He knew what was going on out there. Because immediately he asked Peter before he came to the house, he said, and he asked him the question about the rulers of the earth. So he told Peter, well, unless we offend them. So basically, he told uh, Peter to go take a hook, catch a fish. So in essence, the Lord got Peter off the hook because he had already made a promise that, that he couldn't keep if the Lord had said no. So he just declared in Caesarea Philippi that the Lord Jesus was the Son of God and the temple was the Lord's. Now, as he had spoken, he knew that he had gotten ahead of the whole thing by saying, yes, God's going to give money to God. The Bible says, he saith yes, and when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him. What does that mean? What do you think Peter wanted to do? He wanted to talk, but before he could say anything, the Lord spoke. He was saying, I already know about it. You don't have to tell me anything about it. You know, too many times we... Sometimes we go to the Lord, we want to tell him all about something. And if we're troubled, that's... But we don't have to give him information. He already has the information. We just have to give him our heart, tell him, tell him what... You know, uh, it's... it's uh, he already knows what we need. He does want us to bring our, our, our uh, concerns to him. I've said once before, or probably several times before... I'm bad about repeating myself. Uh, when God asks a question, he's never looking for information. He's looking for an accounting. When he asks a question, he wants us to consider when we answer back to him. Because he already knows the answer. Christ prevented Peter and he said, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? If you read this properly, the emphasis is on the earth. What, are, what do the earthly kings do? He said, We should take, take note uh, in this particular miracle is recorded only in the gospel according to Matthew, which is the gospel of the kingdom. The Lord Jesus made a comparison between the kings of the king of heaven and earth, the kings of the earth. So God is the king of heaven and earth. And he was making a distinction between God and the kings, the rulers. What's the traditional way the rulers require tribute? Well, they don't require tribute from their children. He says, what does all this mean? 
Christ explained that if you find someone with a palace, an empire, or a kingdom, do they take tribute support from their own family? No, they don't. Or do they take tribute and support from strangers? That's who they go to the money for the money. In other words, does a king of the earth ask the prince and princesses to support his palace and his work? He does not. Or does he take tribute from strangers? Well, we, we, you know, we, if we just could consider that, well, yes. You know, you have uh, a uh, man who owns a soda shop. People come in. He, he says. That'll be a dollar twenty-five or a dollar eighty-nine for the soda, for the ice cream, for whatever. When his children come in, he gives it to them. It's on the house. He doesn't charge them. And he's telling Peter, neither should the Son of God pay for the work of God, because the Son of God is God. But he was saying, even though that's true, we're going to go ahead and do this. The royal family doesn't take tribute from the own. They don't ask it of their children. They take the tribute from strangers. Christ was reminding Peter of something. He was reminding Peter that the temple was the Lord's and that Jesus Christ is God. He said to Peter, Do you understand now, Peter, that the Son of God does not give to the work of God? The Son of God is co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent with God the Father. Do you understand that? Peter got the message. And when he told him to go and hook the fish, and it turned out exactly what Jesus told him, he realized, again, he is the Son of God. He is God. Then the Lord said, Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to sea and cast a hook and take up thy, the, the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. Christ said, Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. He willingly submitted to the law, though he didn't have to. He was willing to humble himself in obedience to that law, though he did not have to do it because he was God. He's God. So the payment was made. He says, go thou. And Dr. Sexton says, I have Peter circled in the verse 24 in my Bible. And I have these two words, go thou, circled in verse 27. And I have a line between the two. Peter, go thou. It's important it's for people who desire the Lord to use them in a special way to realize that God deals with them in a special way. Dr. Sexton says, Some of you are going through something at this moment and you wonder why you're going through it. God wants to use you in a way that is out of the ordinary. He allows something in your life that He does not allow in just anyone's life because He intends to do something with your life that He's not going to do with everyone else. Peter was allowed to see things that others do not see. Peter was allowed to do things that others do not do because Christ literally chose Peter to be the next pastor of the disciples. You know, Christ was the leader, but Christ knew he wasn't going to be there in the flesh all the time. 
He worked uh, intimately with Peter, preparing him, strengthening his faith, and making him into the man that he desired for him to be. You know, when we pray at night, we need to always pray, Lord, make me what you want me to be. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Christ said, now, Peter, they came to you and you said this. You understood that I'm God and God does not have to give the tribute, but I want you so that they won't be offended to go and cast a hook into the sea. There is going to be one fish out of the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that will take the hook. When it does, pull it up, reach into its mouth and take the coin that is the exact amount needed for the tribute, the exact amount, no change required. Uh, Christ is the God of everything in heaven and earth. He knew every part of the conversation Peter had with the religious leaders. He knew every word that Peter had spoken. He knew the promise that Peter had made. He knew exactly what Peter needed to hear and learn because of the promise he made to those religious leaders, the tribute collectors. He, he knew that Peter could be strengthened by going down to the sea in Capernaum and doing this very thing. You know, Peter was a fisherman. Now he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, didn't, wasn't uh, used to fishing with a hook. He fished with a net because he wasn't interested in dragging one out after it. He wanted to get many fish. Was that was the way he fed his family? That was the way, you know, that he conducted his business. So. Yeah, that's what it's for. It's to increase Peter's faith. And I don't know what Peter would have done. You know, he still fell. He still, he still, but he had enough faith to come back. He had enough faith to repent. You know, Judas fell. He sorrowed unto despair. Peter sorrowed unto repentance. You know, they both sorrowed, I have betrayed innocent blood. But there's a difference between sorrowing unto despair and sorrowing unto repentance. God requires and he desires that when we fall, when we sin, that we come to him and we ask him for forgiveness. And he's willing to do it. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can you imagine Peter leaving the presence of Jesus Christ, going down there, taking a hook and casting the hook into the sea? Suddenly a fish bit the hook and Peter pulled the fish to shore. He took the fish in hand, reached inside his mouth and found a coin. When he pulled it out to the light of day, he saw that it was exactly the coin needed. Undoubtedly, Peter was praising God and saying, God not only knows everything, he can do all things. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. Another amen. What does that coin mean? Why was the offering established? What did the substitute offering represent? Why was it being recorded? Several questions there. Notice the language of the Lord Jesus. Thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. He knew it would be enough. Christ needed no ransom. He did not need to be redeemed. The little word for means in the place of as a substitute to provide for. 
give unto them for me and thee. Of course, we know Peter was subject to the tax. Our Lord identified himself with Peter here, but not just with the coin being paid in tribute for the temple of God. He identified himself with Peter as a sinner on the cross when he paid our ransom in his precious blood, redeeming us by his own blood. 2 Corinthians 5.21 5 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Dr. Sexton poses the question, do you know what Christ was teaching Peter in this miracle with the money? He was not only teaching him that he knows all things, but that he is in control of all things. But he was teaching him with something about the redeeming blood of Christ and the ransom of his soul. Perhaps Peter was reminded of the fish Incident when the Spirit of God gave him the words to pen, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. The Bible says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. See, that wasn't something that was required by tradition as the tribute money was. That was required by God the Father and the Son paid the price. Dr. Sexton says, Maybe as the Spirit of God laid to Peter to pen these words, not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, a little light went on in his mind and he remembered the day on the seashore when he pulled up that coin. Precious in the sight of people with the tribute money, and necessary for, for the working of the temple. But he was reminded that there's no nothing about silver and gold that we can redeem ourselves with. We cannot redeem ourselves. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we are redeemed. Dr. Sexton closes. He says, It's marvelous what God teaches us from a simple little fish story. There's payment due. God said the whole world has been found guilty. There's a promise made. God promised in His Word that His He would send a Redeemer. He did so. There is payment made. The Lord Jesus said on the cross, It is finished. That's what the miracle is all about. You know, many of the miracles were to bolster the faith of the people who were out there. This was done to bolster one man's faith and to bring him along. Uh, let's uh, look at our uh, workbook quickly. On Monday, in Matthew 17, 24 and 25, what question did the religious leaders ask Peter and how did he answer? Yeah, doesn't your master pay this tribute? And what did Peter say? Yes. He said, yes, yes, he's going to. Tuesday, read Exodus 30, 11 through 16, and Nehemiah 10, verse 32 through 33. We covered those in the lesson. What was the purpose of this tribute or offering requiring of, required of all the Jews? What did they use it for? Yeah, and, and, and God specifically says for an atonement for your souls, but it was for the working of the tabernacle so that there would be money to purchase those things that, that were needful. 
Wednesday, according to Malachi 3.1, to whom does the temple belong? Yep, it's the Lord's. It's the Lord's. It belongs to Him. Thursday, in Matthew 17.25 and 26, what lesson was Christ communicating to Peter? What was He telling him? Yeah, He's equal with God. He didn't, He didn't, He wasn't required to pay that because He was God, but He was going to do it Anyway, according, on Friday, according to Matthew 17, 27, Christ told Peter to pay the tribute for what reason? What did he say? Yeah, lest, lest we offend them. Now, when it came to doctrine, Christ was not averse <laughs> to offending them. But he, he let this pass because he was teaching Peter something. He was teaching Peter something. He, he obeyed the, the tradition, the law. Saturday from 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, what was the price paid to redeem our lost souls? We know. Yeah, the blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Christ. We don't need to we didn't need to have this lesson to know who redeemed us and what his payment was. Brother Ronnie Jeffers, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer, please? Yes, help me. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, help us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks.